0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig.
1: i've been i've been here so long i kind of don't really think of myself as an expat anymore you know it's been i've been i've lived outside of britain longer than i ever lived there so uh you know i'm kind of (laughs) it's about to say wandering jew yeah i'm a wandering jew i'm a jew i'm a wandering jew I'm there's a real real diaspora so it's a Uh, self-fulfilling prophecy yeah exactly exactly yeah So, so i'm not really um yeah, of course I'm British. You know, I still regard myself as British. You know, uh, but I also have a Dutch passport now as well, and I've been here a long time. So, so I've been over over 25 years. So, I don't it's probably more like 26 or something now. I, I even lost count. So, it's more than half my life. So, um, wow. Well, yeah, don't don't really, when it, you know, when it comes to sort of expat things, I don't, I don't sort of kind of out of the loop of the expat world. Yeah, you're fully. Integrated in the sense, then it's been. A- I suppose I am. You know, I do speak the lingo. I've got you know, I've got wife and kids here. We live so on the edge of Amsterdam, in a, it's a it, but it is a separate village. So when you kind of move out of the center of Amsterdam, which is a real, a real international bubble um, where you know English is more widely spoken than Dutch, and then you come to a village, even though it's very close to the center of Amsterdam, it's, it's it, still it's still separate. It's still a village. So so then. that point I did speak some sort of clunky Dutch and uh and then when your kids go to the creche and school and stuff and then and then you just kind of start speaking Dutch to everybody and and realize oh this is this is different than being in the center of Amsterdam you know it's a different sort of life and then I'm kind of so I kind of have a bit of a split personality of my my sort of Dutch suburban life here out in the in the in the suburbs of, of Amsterdam and then and then when I go into the centre, then I'm, then I'm full on Adam, the expat, Adam, Brit, British. I, I get all
0: British and, you no. Know,
1: when I get are all you, stage, I go, Hello, how are you doing?
0: You know, <laughs> so I get, yeah, I have that sort of real split personality, yeah. Everybody's governor and all that, right? you yeah. so. <laughs> know. Yeah. So what what was the first step on your, your expat journey? Because. Uh, your Facebook page or your website says it's studied, worked and lived and now does stand-up comedy. So it's, kind of, and I'm not sure if it's in that order or not, but maybe you can. <laughs> well, it's, usually,
1: it's just a little joke, really. I mean, people go, <laughs> well, I've worked here, I did this, i done that. And now I'm doing, you know, it's just like I worked, I lived, now I do stand-up. But stand-up I've been doing for over 20 years, 20, hang on, it was 98 when I first stepped on stage to do stand-up. And uh, and I was been in the Netherlands since 94, I suppose, officially since 97. So uh, you live a few years under the radar before you kind of get official cough. and start paying taxes and so. stuff. <coughs> yeah, what was my first journey? I, I, I basically, I, you, know, you, you,
0: you might have had this. Where, where are you from? You're from which part of. I was born in Glasgow and I grew up okay. about 12 miles outside. Of- I, I, I suppose I always had that niggling feeling like, oh, I want to live abroad.
1: Like, I always felt like. I don't know. Yeah, I never felt the, oh, I'm, I'm British. Oh, I love this Like, You know, I, think, I know Scottish people have a much stronger feeling and much more of an attachment to the land and that pride of, of being Scottish. And I, I feel that. I feel that when I go to Scotland, you know. I feel, I feel, more, I feel a little bit more proud of, of Scotland than I am of England, certainly now with old Brexit bollocks, but we're not going into that. No. Um, but I always had this thing feeling of like, oh, oh, I want to, I want to live somewhere else. I don't know. If it was the sense of adventure or just like the otherness. But I did feel like I wanted to live somewhere else, and maybe, maybe I, I think. So I remember thinking I, I, that's probably going to happen. It's probably going to happen. I'm going to live somewhere else. So I don't. It didn't know if it's going to be permanent or whatever. But then I, I don't know. So I started, you know, when you go traveling and you are kind of going, oh, this is quite a nice place. Oh, oh, could I see myself here? Just sort of feeling stuff out. And I did sort of pass through Holland a bit and I thought, well, this is quite nice eh? and here. Then, and then what happened, basically, what happened, I met, I met a Dutch girl one night out. I was living in Liverpool. That's where I studied. And then didn't know what to do when I graduated. Just sort of hanging around and just met a Dutch girl and I sort of went all rosy-eyed and I was like, right, I'm moving there. She, she was like, "She was like, oh, I don't know. I've still got stuff to do in my life. Do I want this guy hanging around my neck? <laughs> But I came anyway, so to, we were together a few years, uh, whether she wanted to be or not, and then that sort of fizzled out. But then I was I was here, and it just went. This feels pretty good, you know. I fell in love with Amsterdam, really, is what happened. I fell in love with the city, and uh, and also the way of life. Just something about the way of life just sort of sat better with me, and, and the mentality, the, the the Dutch kind of kind of direct, but kind of honesty. About them. Mm-hmm. You know where you are with Dutch people, there's no se- tr- second-guessing. You know where they are, know where you are with them. Um, kind of a bit wacky, the Dutch. Kind of, bit, kind of woohoo, you know, anything goes kind of mentality. Yeah, but but I, like, I like the atmosphere. I love, I love the city of Amsterdam. I just, just think it's just such a beautiful place. And, uh, and some, of the, some of the sort of, just the social side, the, the politics of it. You know, it just felt like this, this country, the way they kind of people are looked after a bit better. You know, the, you know, the, you don't get the the poverty like you get, say, in Britain, and uh, you don't get people left behind like you did. A bit more, um, a bit more egalitarian, shall we say? Mm. Maybe things are changing. Certainly since I've been here. But uh, and and things like it doesn't matter what, what bike you ride, a rusty old bike. No one gives a toss. Like like in Britain, it's real status symbol about cars and shit like that, and no one cares, no one cares about that. Nobody cares, gives a damn. In fact, the opposite. If you're being flashy, people have been. It's more of a bit of a, a, tall, a tallest poppy syndrome here. By the time I was here and I got into teaching English and started my first little baby steps into performing, that I, um, when when that relationship fizzled out, I thought, no. I'm here. This is this feels pretty good, and I, I had no no plans to go anywhere else. All right, and that, that's we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Although I did, I did, I did, I did feel like oh, I'm going to go on this massive world trip and just just visit everywhere and and travel and live abroad like go to play exotic places like South Korea but this is as far as I got you know 45 yeah. minutes to on easyJet,
0: basically <laughs> in many ways this is a sensible option because yeah if going you the other side of the world it's it's a long way back as they say and so and I went with the intention of staying for a year or two and I, I was 30 when I when I left so i I went to college when I was older and I graduated ah. as a Jewish student and all of that stuff so I was at a different point in my life and I'd done the whole bought a flat and live with people and um, ah. various things and so I kind of did it in the other way around you know and I right. thought maybe I'll go try something else now. Ah. You, you, could
1: you see because you see the path that you're, you're destined to go down just so it's staying on this sort of straight and narrow living like uh, what was you were destined to do and you just thought you just wanted to break that
0: and just do something else. I guess there's some things that are thrown in your pathway and you just think okay I guess it's not meant to be then so let's move on and see what's mm. around the corner mm. but yeah for me it was a kind of different way to uh, I just needed a change and it took me a little while to finish the the university part I was there for like four years and then I tried to get started on my own and it was I just kind of going in circles and I thought okay let's see what happens after a year and 17 years later I was I was ready to move on again, ah. but it was interesting. It was a nice. It was yeah. a, maybe it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's all about social networks and people you meet in your interests. And sure, if you're that well, also, also the things. expat life. The expat life can be a bit tough
1: because you get to know people. You have these strong connections because if you're in a country, probably it's even stronger when you're in somewhere like South Korea, where, where as a as a as a as a Westerner, you really stand out and uh, you, you you kind of con- gravitate towards each other. Even here, you know, you know, I you know, good friends from all over the world. We're all expats. We're all like foreigners. We felt like, oh, and then you gravitate towards each other. And of course, a lot of people it doesn't work out for them, and they leave. So you have these great friends. You know, I've got some, probably some of my best friends I haven't seen in years because they they've all moved on to somewhere else. They moved to Brazil or, or, or Australia or Portugal or whatever,
0: and I haven't seen don't see them again. So we're, we've we been here in Germany and this is my wife's South Korean and this has been a, probably more difficult for her than for me just f- for the, the reason she's never lived in another country before and right. the, la- the language thing and, yeah, the whole, you know, it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. But rewarding. Yeah. The beer's good. <laughs> so why 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 Dortmund? How'd you end up there? Was it, was yeah. it for a job or...? Yeah, basically, uh, said, uh, so yeah, when can you come? And that was pretty much it. They agreed to help me find a place and all that stuff because I didn't really speak German, which is a bit of a problem.
1: Yeah, as you uh, know, how's that? Because, how's because Germany is a bit different to, to over here. Over here you can land very comfortably as a, as a, as a non, as a foreigner, as a non-Dutch speaker, because Dutch very much is the, the unofficial second language of the com- country different when you get out in the countryside but that's everywhere but so you can literally walk into any shop and just talk english and no one's gonna pat an eyelid and no one's gonna you know carry on the conversation in english whereas you know it's not quite the same in germany is it you know you can't just presume if people speak english and a lot of the time they don't
0: or when you do speak german to them they realize quite quickly that you're not german right that's, the that's other ha- which is handy <laughs> and which then they handy. kind of then they'll ask you so it's usually
1: quite basic the worst thing is is Look, I'm I'm a comedian, but I'm also an actor. So I'm, I'm quite good at accents and I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a chameleon. I, I pick up the accent of whoever I'm talking to. So my apologies if I start, if I start going into a bit of, oh, hey, hey, you know, apologies <laughs> if I start doing that because I do that kind of, it, I know it's offensive. I know it's really offensive to do that. <laughs> but I'm I just You're can't help do it doing anyway. it. I can't <laughs> help doing it. It's just something that I just take on, the, the accents of other people but so I could do, I could sometimes do the accent and um, which is a bit confusing because I can, you know, like I'm I'm also quite dark. So I'll i like I'll, I'll be in Spain and so i you know, someone would ask me, come up to me in Spanish, in Spain, there's a guy And I go, no, 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 hablo español. But I could do it in quite a good accent. And I'd be like, is he taking the piss or what? You know, it's like just getting, sorry, oh, Chad, I don't speak English, do apologize. <laughs>
0: yeah it's kind of weird what yeah yeah or or you could just wear a t-shirt say just don't ask me any questions (laughs) I'm 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 an idiot yeah I mean I mean these days it's a perfect opportunity to do that you don't even need the t-shirt right because we have uh, (laughs) our two meters or whatever it is between each other so (laughs) if you're following the rules yeah yeah what about yourself, though, Adam? Have you been affected likewise? You know, have you been as not as busy as you would like to be just because of the, <laughs> the no, nature no. of things?
1: No, no. I've just I've just gone online. You know, I'm just I'm just sending my jokes out by by Amazon to people. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm bloody affected. Hopefully, they affected. get there before the next day. It's yeah, exactly, exactly. No, it's 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 it's, it's, it's horrific, really. I mean, we did after the first lockdown where we went back I remember in, I remember in june i remember i remember it was at march it was the middle of march when we everything closed I remember just i was gigging and really busy right up until the the lockdown and then nothing and then just fell in this you know abyss this black hole like everyone was like what the fuck am i going to do what am I going to do <laughs> and then just but just but I chilled just went okay the sun's shining Spend some time outdoors and pottering the, in the garden. The and was like that much was great in
0: March and April. That was great. That was great. So it's like, okay,
1: we're just trying to enjoy it. And I was like, and I kind of went like a yeah, bit of a wartime spirit, you know, stiff upper lip, hey, hey, muddle We'll muddle through this, hey? Bit of a, <laughs> kind of always had that sort of like that spirit of, oh, okay, I'm right as to the challenge, you know. And uh, so that, that wasn't too bad. And from, from June, we started to. Uh, could do gigs again for like the beginning of June for like 30 people maximum and people sort of, like very sheepishly came to the comedy club like, with social distancing of course and it was great fun because everyone everyone was like oh wow we can laugh again and, and we grew all the comedians were like oh wow we can tell jokes again and we can we can talk to somebody else again that's fantastic <laughs> and get out of the house and that was good. And then um, we started getting more and more bigger, slightly bigger crowds, because then they they reduced the the minimum or, or increased the minimum to, to, I think it was maximum of a hundred, which for a comedy club is fine, as long as there's social distancing. Mm. Which meant in one of the co- comedy clubs where I, I'm a regular like comedy cafe, that meant we could do shows for up to about 70 people with social distancing. So it started to feel almost normal. And then a couple of other venues even got up to doing like shows, the odd show for about a hundred or so people, which was like, wow, you know, in in some bigger venues. So it was like scaling up to like bigger venues where you could have people spread out more, say a a hundred people in a, in a, in a, in a, a, say two, three hundred seater venue. And then of course now it's all gone tits up again, hasn't it? So it's all got, we, we, we were down actually last week. We were still doing shows for thirty people, so, so, so they were chipping away. And then we went back to thirty. Okay, maximum thirty. All right, and then it was like, oh, but has to be done by everyone has to be out by ten. So then there's a stress, the stress of the clock going, and I'll often be closing the shows. So so then it would be like, you know, other everyone else has gone on for too long. We've got to be, we've got to finish the show by nine thirty because then because the bar staff and everything has to be out by ten. So it's like, and then everyone's gone on too long. So I'd even go on sometimes like like, like i headline a show and i'll do 12 minutes headlining or something which normally you'd be doing at least 30 you know so that that sort of ridiculous situations and then just to make it even just even make it even less pleasant all the 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 bars closed So, so you couldn't have a bar in the comedy clubs so basically we were doing shows 30 people It's a bit miserable. It's rainy outside. There's nothing, it's gone cold. It's not even worth the the owner of the club to switch the heating on. So everyone's sitting there, you're not sure. Are they laughing or shivering? What's going on here? And then, and then blue, you know, and, and and the bars closed. So there's no, not even just no alcohol, no tea, coffee, nothing, not even any liquid. So everyone's sitting there. By the time I come on, their, their mouths are so dry, there's no, there's no laughter. It's just dust coming out of their mouths. You know, it's it's, uh, it's just terrific. And I, and I was even going on stage, going, I, I'm really thirsty. I had, low point of my career was going in front of like 30 people in this cold club, and then going like, and just going to the toilet and trying to drink out the tap before going on stage because that's what the only liquid I could get in my mouth. It's come to this. But they're talking about that on stage was kind of fun as well, just mentioning how shit everything is. But and now, and now since 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 last week, we're, that's that's the, oh, from this week actually, everything's stopped. So so, and you know what? Might as well, might as well stop for at least the next few weeks and see see what's uh, see what's happening. Have a, have a, it's not it's not even worth doing those shows, you know, financially or even creatively, really. For the...
0: It puts a kind of cap on things to a, a bigger extent, yeah, when you're just not really worth the place opening or your time or kind of. I mean, it the spirit like, might be there to do something, you know. And yeah,
1: you kind of feel this. I was feeling like, what, why are we doing this? And but also going like, and then you get on stage, and you go, oh, it's actually lots so of fun, you know, so, you know, because unfortunately, there's something, there's something wrong with comedians, there's something wrong with us. We need the attention, we need to get up and do that. You know, is if you actually weigh it up rationally, why why are we doing this? But we we do it. There's no, we have to. We're we're, we're addicts.
0: We can't help it. Well, this is a nice segue. Then, how did the what, what was it that got you into it in the first place? Then, yeah,
1: I mean, it's so long you probably long want to hear about an unhappy childhood. Um, you know, <laughs> my parents didn't love me enough. But, no, hey, but
0: I I grew up in Scotland. You know, you're you're preaching in the choir here. You know. It's, <laughs> There might be a bit of that. And, and was
1: I the funniest kid in the class? And was I natural? It was really, I, I started getting into, my, my, okay, my journey to getting into, into stand-up was just being a huge fan, being a huge fan of stand-up. And I was 14, first, first experience of it, which blew me away. I think I was like 14. And I was in my bedroom on a Saturday night. And, we, you know, I, I had a telly in my bedroom. Hey, Posh. Eh? <laughs> it was a little black and white thing. Black and white telly. Explain this to the kids. <laughs> <a> co- with, <laughs> to explain that to the kids today. With, uh, with almost one of those coat hanger kind of aerials oh, on the top. You had to sort of classic. turn it to get to get it. Otherwise it goes all hazy. And a dial. I had to get I had to get up and get a dial to change channels. But it was like it was like anyway, I had this cheapy uh, black and white telly in my bedroom. That's how old I am. And I was on Saturday night, and I was watching, and it, what came on was um, this LWT, London Weekend Television Special, An Evening with Billy Connolly. And I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Uh, where He does, he does, things, the, he does yeah. the incontinence pants and yeah, uh, right. routine.
0: And it just, I was just
1: on the floor, rolling around in laughing, agony laughing. My, mom kept, my I think my mum was downstairs, they had friends over. She came up and said, what's, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> what, 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 You're right." right? Let's
0: it's like your face is sore, you know. And, and I just remember after that, just go,
1: Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. He's, he's just talking. What is it? It's just him, just got, got nothing, no props, no songs, no nothing. He just, he's just talking. And uh, how it, the pictures he can paint in your head and, and that, that laughter you can induce from people just incredible tears of laughter. I just went, Wow. Not I'm, that I said Not that I said at that point I'm going to do that I just went Wow, that's amazing and, You know, just like, I, and, and I But that's when I became A fan of stand-up And I never thought I could do it Never thought I was capable I, I Comedians were like Wow You know Gods You know I put them on a very high pedestal But I was always a huge fan of it just I mean, were you a fan of Like the young
0: ones And stuff like oh, that? Oh, God, you yeah know, the Comic strip Presents and all this. Oh, it was yeah Pretty really similar age I was like, goodness Yeah yeah. That was a good of the boom. Uh, I'm 51 next month.
1: Are you? Yeah. Looking
0: good, mate. Thanks, 51. Very much. Yeah. In Scottish years, that's like 112, <laughs> isn't <laughs> no, it? It's good a... for you. Good for you. It's all in the kimchi, Adam. That's what it is, man. <laughs> 17 years on a kimchi diet, man. <laughs> I'm 50. I'm 50. Like, I, I, I turned 50 in the middle of lockdown in April.
1: So that, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, like, well done.
0: <laughs>
1: you, know, you made it great yeah 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 it's yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 similar age yeah so like, yeah, young
0: ones blew me away when I first saw that, was, that yeah, was, it was wow. just total anarchy and stuff like that and spitting image know. and uh, you know I mean oh. without sounded like grumpy old men but th- this was a, yeah, 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 a golden yeah, yeah. age of comedy of it, I think it's, it's incredible it's incredible. brought it on to a new a new level as it is today because it's really well, into American stand-up our our sense of humor in the in the British sense of it I think it,
1: it is and it isn't. I mean, some,
0: some people make a bit
1: too much of it, uh, the, the differences. Um, I mean, because within, certainly today within stand-up, and now there's so much stand-up, and there's so much of it. That, you know, it's almost like every niche, whatever you're into, whoever you are, if you want to hear a trans stand-up or there's, there's urban stand-up or there's, you know, stand-up aimed, aimed at teenage girls or stand-up aimed at, you know, grumpy old men like us. <laughs> there's almost like stand-up or comedy for, for, for different demographics. But back then it was like just this broad standup, wasn't it? You know, it was really broad. And, uh, and and I was just, I was sucked into it. It was, it was rock and roll. And it was, it was, it was
0: everything for me. Was there a way in where you were writing material before you actually performed it? Or did you take the other step where you thought I'll go on stage and see what happens? Or was this a kind of pre-planned thing you had, you've been, you had it at the back it of your was, mind?
1: No, I, ne- I never planned to do
0: it. I never thought I was capable.
1: I never thought it was, because I, I held it in such high esteem. I never thought it was it was something that I, I could do. I I got into performing through another, a, a really long way. It was a really long journey to become a stand-up for me. Uh, I, I didn't get on stage tr- trying stand-up until I was 20, I think it was 28 was my first step, which is quite late for a stand-up actually. I, I, uh, so I was 28 when I first got, had, had a stab of it because a lot of people now just go like oh well, yeah I did I did pottery class I did some I, I've done yoga now I'll, I'll do uh, now I'll try stand up and they do these courses <laughs> or the whatever they just get up on stage and have a, have a go at it for me it was, it was a big it was a big step so I, and I, I didn't didn't even plan to do it I was literally pushed on stage by somebody to, to do it what happened was I, I, I got into to performing through another route I was, a, I was a juggler I was a hobby juggler I was a hippie juggler
0: Fantastic. Uh, uh,
1: performing, getting on the street and juggling and doing all kinds of circus stuff and all kinds of funny, wacky bits and bobs. I started, I started as a hobby juggler when I was, at, when I, uh, when I was traveling and learned, learned to juggle from some people. And then when I was at, you know, studying at well, university, I expanded that, I, did a, I got, uh, started a juggling club and that became broader to all kinds of circus skills. And I met these people, I met this old clown this old guy called Arthur Pedler, who was like in the clown, clown Hall of Fame and he performed in the, whatever, the most prestigious uh, circus in France and that stuff like that. And he lived in Southport, somewhere near, near Liverpool, where I, he, where I studied. And he used to come down and practice with us. And he taught <laughs> me all these clown routines and stuff, which was amazing. And I started getting to sort of more of the clowny side of stuff, the mime and did some courses and things like that. And uh, I realized I like making people laugh more than any more than the tricks, because uh, that I realized that was my, so I really liked more. I was asked to do these little shows around place, little fates and things like that, with this other group of uh, people who had these uh, kind of little circus teaching circus skills to kids and also doing little acts and things like that. And then I moved over here and I started doing that on the street, trying to earn some money, which I was terrible at, really terrible. <laughs> I would literally do that, I'd put on a shirt and tie, go to, the, go to the Ministry of Finance, go, hello, good morning. And then in the afternoon, I'd put some makeup and be like, I don't know. <laughs> hopefully you don't see the same gay twice. <laughs> never thought of it like that. But yeah, I would literally do that. And then I started doing all kinds of stilt walking, all kinds of wacky stuff. Uh, someone I got met through that sort of clowny performing there's a lot of avant-garde shit going on in Amsterdam mm. where, where where you can try wacky stages where you can just try out wacky things and I'll do these kind of wacky surreal acts as well and then somebody asked me to join an improv group on the base on the back of that so that was my end to the world of stand-up and we were doing these shows And it was pretty quickly after doing a few improv workshops, we were doing a a Sunday night at at a comedy club in Amsterdam because stand-up was just getting, comedy was getting going. Stand-up was kind of a few years established, but then it was, and then we we started doing these shows, improv shows on a Sunday night. And then from that, it was a small step to doing stand-up. I just happened to be there on a Wednesday night uh, with like p- passing through with a friend, just popped in for a drink. It was and that, rocking, that was the open. That was the open mic night. That was the open mic night. And the guy who's run, who's or the doorman, hi, so he just said to me, "Oh God, everyone's dying here tonight. can you get up and do something?" I said, "I'm not a stand-up." He said, "Well, you're funnier than these guys." So I just literally got up and, and and was just winging it, really, just just just, just, just like just improvising. Uh, maybe some ideas that I had in my head, and it worked. And and uh, and I never looked back. After that, it, it, sort of, it sort of worked. I needed that little push, I think. I think I needed a little push. I think we all need a little push from somebody. Yeah, I think you must be pretty conceited if you're going to go, like, I'm, I'm the greatest musician in the world. No one's ever actually said you're, you're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know, uh, you, you all need someone to say, I mean, it's, it must be delusional to, to get up on stage and go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm funny and I'm going to make people laugh. You need somebody to say, you know what, you're pretty funny. You should, you should do that. So, thank heaven somebody
0: gave me, a, gave me that little push and um, been doing it ever since. And how many countries is that now? You've performed in Adam on your website, it does list them, but uh, I ran out after quite a lot, but right? it's uh, I've lost an extensive no, I, list. I
1: don't know. I don't know. Maybe about 40, 40 countries or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah.
0: And is there one that particularly sticks in your mind as being memorable for whatever reason, country wise? You know, the whole. The whole setup, going to a country like brunei brunei
1: jesus the, the kingdom of brunei on the island of borneo you know run by the sultan of brunei and then performing for these um expats who are working <laughs> working on a compound living on a compound there and doing it i mean the show itself is not memorable because that, that was like wasn't great it was like they did probably in their gym hall set up pretty bad setup but just being in somewhere like that is incredible. Being in South, performing in South Africa at a, this little festival in, in Darling in someone's living room. It was called, it was called the Furgalma Fist, which means a living room festival in a township in South Africa. Which is, that's amazing. Out, out, outdoor, and then like the actual show where you go, this is pretty bloody good. It was being in Curacao, being flown to Curacao and doing a show. In uh, this beautiful outdoor theatre, uh, like about 500 people, did, did two nights there. It's beautiful outdoor amphitheatre, and that was fantastic. Being on, like you know, Caribbean performing <laughs> for like wonderful, wonderful stage in this beautiful setting. It's not too show. Yeah. I, mean, I did that. In, I did that in Dutch as well, which is quite even more. You know, I, was, I was pleased with that as well. Yeah,
0: I think you can get extra points for that, man. That's a, yeah, that's a win win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I had I, I know a guy that lives in Brunei, and he was on the podcast on several episodes ago. So I, I have done an episode with guys from Brunei. So. Oh
1: wow, nice bizarre place, weird place, Brunei. It's just like
0: you feel this atmosphere of ooh, and it's locked down as well, or it was, and I'm not sure. I don't
1: think it makes much difference. You're never not allowed to do anything there anyway.
0: The English speaking ability of the Dutch, you know, does it make performing comedy there easier? Do they get? Did they get the jokes? Are they quite a? There's one thing: being able to speak the language or understanding the language. But then, when you take jokes, and it's all about context, and
1: yeah, they, they yes and no, yes and no. They 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 do appreciate. They like uh, the, the they 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 like British humour a lot of the time. But when it comes to like real joke jokes, you know, just like they, you know, those those lovely little those little little packages, those lovely little conundrums of setup and punch. In like, like we can really appreciate that. They go, Oh, hasn't that beautiful use of language there? And that little twist wasn't that gorgeous? They kind of that leaves them a little bit cold. They were just go, Oh, that was just a joke. You know, <laughs> Next, what's clever about that? You know, I love a good joke, a really beautifully <laughs> crafted little, little, little gem like that. But it's, it's not quite as appreciated if you, if you put that in a story with some silly faces and a silly and a funny voice, they'll, they'll appreciate it a lot more. All oh, right. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit of gravy or
0: a bit of sauce with <laughs> it. You got
1: add some gravy to it. Yeah. 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 And also was, the, the Dutch have actually have a reputation of being like a really tough crowd, you know, tougher than the Germans. You no, know? they're like, they're like, you know, the, the Germans without the sense of humor, you know, <laughs> it's quite a lot of the time, yeah. you know, it could be, be, and that's because not, not because they don't, like to laugh but they kind of feel like they have this thing of like you know go make me laugh make me laugh and that really does exist i mean comedians from all over the world top comics you know perform everywhere they go whoa the dutch are a real tough nut to crack because they'll come along back back home you know we used to you go to a comedy club it's, everyone's bought a beer they bought their ticket <laughs> hey hey they're laughing before the show starts they're up for it whereas the dutch would just go like i don't know i, I probably probably won't laugh <laughs> Go on, go on, go on, make me, see if, see if you can make me laugh. Break me. (laughs) There is a a bit of that. Not every, not every crowd, of course, but but often happens. And I warn, I warn British comics. I I run a show where I uh, do every, every couple of months where I I bring over comics usually from Britain, from the British circuit. And I do warn them, you know, this, this can happen. And it does happen sometimes, not often, but it it does happen. Because if I don't warn them, they might come off the stage and go, what the bloody hell is that about? Why are they staring at me like that?
0: Well, the Dutch, you yeah, know, that's, that's it. That's it, right? Yeah, It's interesting man, when you hear about that, because, of course, when you get into the land of stereotypes and all that, it's... And it, uh, I've had great conversations with uh, German friends and colleagues and students mm-hmm. and whatnot about Monty Python sketches and all, all sorts of stuff, you know? And they're, yeah. They're funny, you know? It's it's yeah. this whole stereotype about being where you're from and all that stuff. How is this scene in the Netherlands, then, the, the English-speaking comedy scene? Is it... Well, we've had, there, well, there are
1: two, two separate scenes, really. There's the, there's the Dutch comedy scene, uh, which I've been a part of for the last 20-odd odd years. And um, as, as an English-speaking comedian, most of the time, I had a, little for, had a foray into doing it in Dutch, but I decided after a couple of years, just like, stick to what you're good at. <laughs> so I went back to doing it in English. But you can perform as a foreigner uh, in English in a lineup of other Dutch people, and that's fine most of the time so long as you know how to play the Dutch crowd, which words you can and can't use for certain, certain people, certain audiences. But we never had an English scene really until in about the last two or three years. That's something that's really grown, two, three, maybe four years. This whole English-speaking comedy scene, which is separate. It's kind of apart from the Dutch scene. And in a way, in a lot of places, particularly in Amsterdam, it's, it's bigger than the Dutch scene. It's much bigger than the Dutch Sea now, and it's been it's been spearheaded by some some bookers, some people have really been pushing it. And I realised a few years back there's probably a market for it because Amsterdam's such an international place, and people really like stand up, and it's a way to get get to know a, a, a city as, as, as certainly as a tourist. But you know i'm not the guy i wasn't the guy to get that going i'm not an organizer i can't organize anything i'm terrible <laughs> but fortunately some other people do it and they book me as a comic and i can do my thing which is being getting on stage and acting like an idiot and it's it's great because we we'd be doing you know five nights a week doing english you know professional english shows where people buy a ticket for 15 euros and be you know maybe 100 people in the crowd and we'll have a great night and there's some and there's um, local talent has really got a lot better you know when when uh, two three years ago there's only really myself and maybe two or three other comics you can go like well they're you know professional comedians who kind of can can sort of carry the show and the rest are like just working their stuff in they're just beginners but now there's quite a few have really got you know, they've really worked hard the last couple of years and really got their stuff tight and they're really, really solid. So we got a nice scene of about probably about 15, 20, maybe 15 people, I'd say, maybe a dozen people are really, I go, oh, they're good, solid comics now. And then you got a whole bunch of people doing the open mics and some of them could do like maybe a decent 10 minutes and, you know, you can put on it in a pro show as well. So it's, it's it's growing. It's getting better. It's it's like it's nice to see it see it growing. It's really ni- nice to be part of it. And yeah, yeah, And I feel the younger comics are kind of breathing down my neck, going, oh, "They're getting pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> this is sort of, gay, all don't want, Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't to, I have to look up some stuff. what, what is TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. everyone's making jokes about uh, bat Tinder. Sorry, honey. I've got. I have to get on Tinder. I have to know what it's going. What's going on? There's, there has been a movement where it's, it's 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 been going for a few years already in comedy worldwide of just the the clubs are just becoming less. Uh, it's been harder to make a living from it as there there's being more and more comics and less and less venues. The 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 the, the, the been less money in it basically. Mm. But then you've got to find other avenues that it's great to be on stage and have some fun with it. You know, and I've been fortunate. I've been making. Not my whole living from it, but a large part of my living from it. Uh but then there's the knock-ons. There's 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 doing corporate gigs, there's doing present being asked to host events, there's I do voiceovers, I do this, and I do a bit, bit of acting and the whole mixed bag is what you gotta rely on. So I'd often see it as like going in the daytime, I'll do some uh something for a company, maybe something corporate, and then then feel really dirty doing that and then get on stage and then just <laughs>
0: filthy luco and then and then
1: i just let out all the bile and shit that i've been building up in the day <laughs> those was stuff i couldn't say in this corporate environment i had to bite my tongue let it all out on stage
0: it'd be complete it would be extra vulgar on stage <laughs> and i, I did watch your corporate clip and i don't know if that was edited as such or that was uh no it was all one it was in one place if i remember right there philip no i forget the company might be philips yeah i did something in philips yeah and it was yeah, just a bunch of that. kind of boring looking, yeah, middle-aged yeah, <laughs> yes. guys standing around yeah. looking at you, and then yeah. you
1: know. And then. I know, I know, but that's the that's the sort of thing you're thrown into this environment. You go, okay, right, I'm going to go make, make make these people laugh. They've got their coats on; they're ready to they're ready to go home. If, they, thought they, or they, they, coat thought, they thought they thought they thought they thought it was finished, and now and now you're on stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: God, make it end, you know. <laughs>
1: that's some of the things you deal with you just kind of go okay this is this is it but i can't i kind of rise to that challenge as well you know I'm a bit of a guerrilla comedian as well I'm just like you know i like almost like the sport of it i was quite i quite enjoy going to a place where people, you walk on stage and everyone goes oh for fuck's sake what's this i gotta to listen to this now and then to turn that around to everyone laughing i mean that's that's a joy that's a joy because everyone's like yes I, i've done it that's the sort of extreme sport, you know. Cool. That makes me feel alive. If you walk onto a club and just, just everyone's just pissing themselves laughing at everything already, and then you walk on stage and you do the same, it's almost like yeah, okay, job done, you know. Whereas, where to turn a room around it's really uh, that's that's a that's a challenge, and I, I that keeps keeps me going.
0: What kind of comedians are you enjoying at the moment? Well, at the moment,
1: because of the elections in America, I'm really enjoying watching uh, like people like Stephen Colbert, um, mm. you know, the, the, Amer- uh, the Late Show. I think he's amazing. Uh, and he's got, he ha- clearly has great writers as well, but he brings it brilliantly, you know. Much preferred it when he's in a live stu- studio with an audience than sitting at home. <laughs> like, like he's his cardigan now <laughs> in his cardigan, yeah. But I don't know if you watch that, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's, I think he's brilliant and really spot on. Uh, Frankie Boyle. Love Frankie Boyle. I, I just try and watch everything that, that he comes out with. His his uh, New World Order is brilliant. His monologues just just go. Mwah! Mwah! You,
0: you must have seen the Paul Nuttall impersonation. Oh, I think I have. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah, yeah. it's. I think it's on the Brit. The UK referendum or, uh, <laughs> or the referendum episode that he did. And it's yeah. at the end of that, he goes into the, the palm Nuttall thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. 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 oh, so just, just,
1: just brilliant. I think he's probably the best in Britain at the moment. And just, just you know, takes no prisoners. And uh, and Stuart Lee, just superb. I don't know if you know Daniel Kitson, more of an underground comic in Britain. But I've seen him a few times. So I think he's a genius. And there's some mates of mine who I just think are hilariously funny and and really great comics. people, people i work worked with, Adam Bloom, uh, Tom Rhodes. Uh, Steve Hughes it's an Aussie they're great I like watching old stuff like like like, like <laughs> when I'm just down stars, when I just want to have a good laugh I go and watch some, uh, some Alan Partridge it still makes me laugh still makes me it. laugh all of it so in it's just superb
0: season they did the one like the one show yeah
1: yeah set up that, oh and of, Sacha Baron Cohen I just think is a comic genius yeah what he's doing Sacha Baron Cohen just out there just out there putting himself out there and just Spot on, just so funny. So, uh,
0: I mean, I think when you thought that might have been it, he came back with another Borat because I think he did a thing for Netflix called The Spy. I think it was. it was great. Uh, great, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a really he good serious actor as well. He's an, an actor, and then the next yeah. thing he does is Borat, too. You know, he' I mean,
1: fantastic. He could just go like, Well, I'm an actor now, and I will do Hollywood movies, and i become yeah. a Hollywood star. And then he does, then he just, yeah, you know, then he's doing this, you know, Borat, which is. Great satire, but also just really puerile as well. And just yes. like, it has that both sides. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. ultimate. Fun and and, and the comics I've really enjoyed. I mean, it's guilty pleasure. I mean, you're not supposed to like him anymore. But Lewis C K made me laugh like like no one else uh, did for the last few years, and then till he got till he got his knob out inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> oops hey, oops <laughs> um, yeah. or and oops I uh, did it again to quote yeah you. exactly exactly and and, and uh, Doug Stanhope
0: I really love him yeah, Doug, Doug Stanhope's funny he's just such a a dry cynical yeah 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 yeah, and I, kind of thing
1: and I've had the pleasure of opening for some comics I opened for Mark Maron who was a great comic. do you know Mark Maron he's yeah. great great American comic Jim Gaffigan yeah a few years back Jack D one of my all time favourites that, that that was probably a highlight of my career opening for him because because especially when you kind of grown up watching him and just thought there's the big american comics of uh, now of people like I'm really impressed with but that's the one i'm i'm personally most impressed with is opening for jack d because he was uh, one of my absolute heroes that's
0: pioneer, of the british scene. i mean he's been around yeah a long
1: time. yeah oh Sh- sean lock makes me laugh like nobody else love sean lock um judah Friedlander we played a while back and he, he wasn't sold out either superb comic american comic i'll go in i'll go and watch if i can if they're in town i'll, I'll always try and watch Stanhope or kitson or and these guys come through amsterdam you know but I, i'll i forget the kevin hearts and people like that i won't bother with <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah enough said yeah although he's made a good living's probably not even the right way to describe it. Uh, an uncanny knack of being in the right place at the right... That's Kevin Hart. I'm, I mean, I'm not, not knocking him at all. Just does no. his, I'm not his target audience. Yeah, let's face yeah. it. Yeah. I, who is? <laughs> I mean, I'm, getting a lot, <laughs> I'm a bit confused by the whole thing. Adam, where can we find you? What's your uh, social media hangout? Don't really do much social
1: media. I mean, I've got a Facebook and TikTok. Thing. I I I used to, <laughs> used to sometimes have a joke about about it at the end of a show. Like if you if you like my show, a lot of comedians at the end of a show these days say, "Follow me on Instagram," like my Facebook thumbs up. Yeah. Find me on Twitter. I don't do any of that. You know, if if you want, you can find me on Chat Roulette. That was that would be my joke. Um, just and, leave, and just leave it there, knowing what Chat Roulette was. Remember Chat Roulette? No. No, oh, chat, chat roulette. It was just basically a beautiful, beautiful idea, beautiful, beautiful idea. But it just brought out the worst of humanity. It was um, this idea <laughs> that you could just go online and it's like this video course, and you can just it'd be random. You press a button, and, and and just a random person would come up, and you can sing to each other, or just have a chat, chat with a random person, human being from another from another country who you don't know. It's, what a beautiful idea for getting to know people. Some people would be really creative with it and make little, you know, creative, uh, make a poem for somebody or whatever. And just have these lovely, wonderful, random interactions. But very quickly, it just became every, every two or three clicks was just some uh, 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 some fat middle-aged bloke's cock <laughs> wanking, basically. <laughs> so uh, hence my joke. <laughs>
0: I'm surprised I missed that one, man. I was like, what was I doing at that point? Yeah, that must have been during my my sojourn in the, the northeast of Asia somewhere. Podcasting is just like it's like a pound shop South Bank show, right? You know, it's kind of a bit like I call it the 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 elevator pitches like so you're the Melvin, nothing to brag about, right? You know exactly, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. It's the what is it? I can't
1: even remember one pitch. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good joke for on the spot. There you That's know. not bad. It's a bit of a niche reference. Only three people will get in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: Melvin, he's still alive, I think as well. I he think he is. Like yeah. a million years old. Yeah. Um, so it's like the music and art scene for expats, or it's the music and art scene. I speak to expats. For, oh, yeah, I can't even remember one elevator pitch. Yeah. but music and arts is the kind of basic uh, that kind of covers all things <laughs> i'm trying to keep away from football and beer until i have nothing else to say thank <laughs> god for that i know nothing cause about football because i think there's plenty of that out there for other people right you know
1: all right mate great talking to you and um send me that send me your podcast your miserable podcast list that'd be great Let me know if you ever come over to Amsterdam, come to a show sometime when when, when life gets back to some semblance of normal. And we'll uh, we'll have a beer together. It would be nice.
0: Excellent, mate.
1: Good luck with everything. And thanks again.
0: Take care, yeah. Cheers, Adam. Cheers, bye. ta You can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Anchor.fm. Simply search for Can't Find My Way Home. On Instagram at can home, On Facebook at Expat Music Pod. Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, I'm pretty sure you'll find us there too. Until the next one, this is Craig saying, cheers.